roll tide to that win, everybody. Alabama knocks off LSU 30-16. to Episode 11 will detail every single part of that game that you could ever want detailed. We'll go into the Mississippi State game and what Alabama has to do to get to the college football playoff. And we're going to go into whether or not we think Derrick Henry can win the Heisman, all coming up in Episode 11. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's get right down to it. Well, what did we tell you? Guys, Alabama's on the phone, college football answering. They want to know, do we deserve our rankings? You're listening to Pat's Interference, episode 11. We just beat LSU. It's now Mississippi State week. You're listening to Pat's Interference again. We're sitting here on a Tuesday, November 10th. You can find us on Twitter, P-I underscore podcast, on Facebook, Pat's Interference, and patsinterference.com. That's where our podcasts go directly after we're done. I'm Patrick Brickman. I'm Patrick Norwood. How's it going, everybody? So good to be with you after a big win. Not going to lie, I was nervous about this one, Patrick. We got lots to talk about. Let's get right into it. Uh, Let's just start off. We're going to break down every aspect of the game that we can. Let's start off with the offense. How do we think we do? We had 28 first downs, 7 of 15 from third down. Time of possession, Patrick. Huge improvement. Time of possession, 39-27 for Alabama. 40 minutes of the game, we had the ball. Doubled up, almost. Almost Almost doubled doubled up on LSU. Great game, Patrick. What uh, did you think of Kenyon Drake? Kenyon Drake is uh, – it was a good game for him. I was I was smiling pretty – almost every time he cr- – because it was almost like he was sort of coming back to form. It was his best game since his injury by far. Ten carries, 68 yards. He had three catches. Uh, a couple of them were those shovel passes. Yeah, I was that about we've to say, quote, grown, unquote, We have, you know, yeah. whatever. Over 100 at – over 100 yards total from scrimmage, and he had a couple good kick returns, and he had some great moments in the game. I think it was big for him to get back on the field and and find success because so far this year he's had a lot of, regardless if it's his fault for dancing too much or the offensive line for missing assignments, but he's been hitting the backfield, I got to think, more often than any running back in the nation. I bet if we looked up statistics, it'd be up there. I mean, every time he was getting the ball, he's getting hit in the backfield. He had that one run. I don't remember what quarter it was in, but uh, he made four or five guys miss. If you go yeah. back and watch, you'll remember the one. It was his longest run of the night, and he just looked really good. He, he had a, he had a, he, and he looked pumped up. He looked like a huge weight had been lifted off his shoulders. Um, yeah. But obviously, Kenyon Drake, we need him, and his game I think kind of opened up Henry's monster game. Yeah, yeah, I know we kind of buried the lead there, but one more thing I wanted to say about Kenyon Drake, he looked great on special teams. I don't really know. At the beginning of the season, it sounded like he was going to be there a lot more. I don't know if he just maybe had a couple bad practices or had a bad game. But, you know, I I think he did really well, uh, relatively speaking. I think it was hard for him to find some room. LSU is obviously a very, very fast team, especially in special teams. They, you know, tear down the field. Um, And you're not going to put him back there with Cyrus Jones on punts. I mean, you know, that just that doesn't really make sense. Uh, But, yeah, Derrick Henry, 38 carries, 210 yards. Three touchdowns, had that crazy, crazy run of 40 yards where he stiff-armed what looked like their entire defense. Um, <laughs> that was awesome. I mean, that can was, we can we he, call this his best game in Crimson? He, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how you don't. On the biggest stage, I would say so too. I mean, he had a great Sugar Bowl his freshman year, which is was coming right, up party. Exactly. The numbers were obviously better this Saturday, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I just you know when you. You asked me about Derrick Henry's greatest games. The ones I think of are, okay, Arkansas his freshman year, his first game 
uh, ever carrying the football. I think it was like his second or third carry. He tears down the sidelines for 70-something yards. Uh, the Oklahoma game in the Sugar Bowl, which you mentioned, which it felt like that night he was the only one that cared about winning that game. And then last night, and you know, a lot of people are putting him now as the Heisman favorite. I'm not sure I'm going that far. But, you know, I, 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 I think he has one more good game, and he wins it. Now, it obviously depends on whether or not Alabama can win out. Uh, I think if Alabama wins out in the SEC and wins the SEC championship game, which it's now, you know, sort of in the driver's seat for, and mm-hmm. Derrick Henry has a good game. I mean, Charleston, Southern, Auburn, Mississippi State, and the SEC championship game. I those think are if he, if he three had, of those four games. If he can get two of them with the, even close to the numbers he had today. Exactly. Or just exactly. the numbers we've seen the rest of the year. Yeah, well, and exactly what I was about to say is, you know, I think he can afford to have one bad game out of those and still win the Heisman. Uh, you know, I, I do not think he can afford to have two games where he gets less than 100 yards. Well, um, okay, so the guys that were opening things up for him. Um, the offensive line, have been shaky this year, but how do you think they did on Saturday? I think they did better. I, I think that, you know, we're kind of, uh, you know, it's it's kind of this weird thing because, you know, we ran the ball a little bit more, uh, you know, 55 rushes, 24 passes. And I felt like a lot of our frustrations with the offensive line, Patrick, or at least mine, came during pass plays. Yeah. And since yeah. there weren't so many of those and a lot of the pass plays were just bubble screens or quick slant routes over the middle, there wasn't a lot of opportunity for the offensive line to really mess up. Uh. Kenyon Drake, you, you you say he gets hit in the backfield because of the line. I say, yeah, but I think it's more of Kenyon Drake not following his holes. Uh, you know, so I, I think the line did better. There's still a lot of room to improve. Because uh, as you mentioned, there's still a lot of negative plays there. Lot, we were, what, coming into the game, um, we were probably, I think it was 12th in the nation with the most, like 12th, and that's not a great thing, 12th in the nation with the most negative plays, which they said during the game, doesn't even count um, penalties and sacks, which we've had a lot of those as well. Yeah. So this is just when we try to do something running the ball-wise and we get tackled behind the line, which isn't usual Alabama football. Um, well, and some of that's play calling too. A lot of that's play calling and, and plays that aren't setting up our guys to succeed, you know, sending Kenyon Drake up the middle or sending Derrick Henry to the outside when we should be the vice versa. It, yeah. I don't know. And w- the first half... Um, it's it's easy to look at the second half and the dominance and the success we had there on offense. But the first half, I was telling myself, we're not trending the right way with negative plays. We had a lot of negative plays in the first half, which if we went back and watched again, we would we would realize. But again, I'm nitpicking here because the second half was so dominant on offense. It was. It reminded me of the 2013 game, honestly, which, if I'm being 100% honest, uh, one of my biggest regrets in my time at Alabama was the first half of that 2013 LSU game I got to watch. The second half I had to go to work at the TV. Oh, game. you missed the four sacks in a row? I did. That I was did. maybe my favorite, one of my favorite times on campus. Yeah. I actually well, forgot to mention I that was, last week. I was, I was oh. uh, running graphics for, uh, shout out WVUA TV in Tuscaloosa, right there. Uh, oh, those in days. In the stadium, yeah. I remember yeah, those the good days. old days. Yeah, That's right, that's where days. we got our big start, um, guys. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, yeah, so huge start. Where we, we mentioned him, yeah, we mentioned it a little bit um, here. Jacob Coker, uh, he threw the ball 24 times. He was fairly efficient. I didn't think other than, and I'm just gonna rip into him one time here, one time because I was very very angry. 
the one throw where we went up three nothing. We were on the goal line, and he uh, he was looking for Ridley. Yeah. And he just threw it at the dude's feet behind him when he had a we had he had a good four probably three or four foot window. If he'd hit it, we would have scored. Yeah, that's that made frustrating, me but that's because, also play calling. Yeah, well, that the play was there and the execution was there. Everything but the throw wasn't. And those are the kind when we're playing LSU early in the game, and I see us go up three nothing instead of seven nothing. Those are that's when we let teams hang around us. So yeah. other than that one throw and a couple, uh, you know, pocket the play, presence issues, how did play, Coker do? The play that bothered me from Coker, and I like Coker. I'm I'm beginning to like Coker. I think he's showing a lot of heart. I know that we talk about Derrick Henry from last Saturday, as we should, but I think a lot of that really rested on Coker's shoulders. He made plays when he had to. His receivers dropped two or three passes the other night that were right in their hands. Uh, you know, he, he overthrew a deep ball to Calvin Ridley, which I was kind of okay with because on deep balls, I remember the days of John Parker Wilson where it was either uh, 12 yards overhead or right to the safety who's playing center field. Uh, so I'm okay with overthrowing deep balls. Just don't underthrow them. Um, still, that the play where he lowered his shoulder and just killed some poor LSU <laughs> linebacker. It just it fascinates me that he can do that because he doesn't look like that type of guy. But he's so a big Patrick, guy. He's I, I do guy. think he also has that sort of quiet tenacity to the point where maybe maybe it even had something to do with the quarterback conversation this summer where it was he you know. I am pissed off. I do want this, but I just don't show it in the way that you want me to show it. And I think that's what we see from Jake Coker. And we see that when he lowers his shoulder and starts yelling at these dudes on the ground. And you're like, who is this kid? I've never seen him animated in my life. He's absolutely showing it on the field. I got a a fun little question for you. It just popped in my head now. So we've been comparing this team a lot to uh, 2011 Alabama team. Sure. Um, Now, we had a new quarterback that year, too, that we did not – Really, he had a, he had not a short leash, but we didn't open up the playbook for him either. That was a first-year starter, AJ McCarron. So, just for the sake of discussion here, if you could take first-year starter, sophomore AJ McCarron, or redshirt senior Jake Coker, who would you take? I like the question, but I, I it's AJ McCarron. I, I, I mean, agree. I agree. You know, he just there was something about him that just. But we didn't see McCarron's best until. Um, we did until the national championship. There are still people that were calling for Sims to come in on certain games, which was ridiculous looking back. But um, the the thing is, I, I you know that season was so crazy, and I remember thinking, you know, some of those games, even after the LSU game when we lost, I was thinking, you know, if the game got tight at the end, I thought, you know, I think McCarron can do this. I really do. I think McCarron can pull us back through. I'm not sure Coker can do that. I'm not sure he has that confidence and just that clutch ability about him. Not because I don't believe in him. I just don't think we've had an opportunity to see it yet. Yeah, you could argue Ole Miss, but like I've said time and time again, that game was kind of over at that point anyway. So, you know, come on. But like I was going to say, one thing that really, really bugged me from Coker uh, the other night was we decided to go for it. First offensive possession. Decide to go for it on fourth and short. Brings the man in motion. Linebacker was going to trail him the whole way across oh, the field. Yeah. Coker would have had the bootleg and probably 15 yards on top of it. Uh, and then, hell, who knows? He might have lowered his shoulder and busted through the line and, you know, scrambled for a touchdown. No, not really. But, you know, uh, if he would have waited a second, two seconds later to hike the ball, that's a first down. 
Easy. Yeah, and easy. It's just, it's plays like that, and I know I rip on Lane Kiffin a lot, but I feel bad for Kiffin because I'm like, man, I know some Alabama fans are so pissed at you for calling that play, but that wasn't your fault. You know, I mean, that's just your quarterback just not making the right play. Uh, so that's the only time that I really was frustrated with Coker during that game. Uh, well, I want to, okay, so. Go ahead. We went McCarron Coker all over the place there. Um, I guess the thing that not a lot of people are going to talk about, outside of really the Alabama world where everybody's talking about, is that last drive of the game. And it went kind of this way. LSU started making a little bit – they got a little bit of momentum. Uh, Henry fumbled the ball. They scored a touchdown. They, only, they had a short field to work with. I was and, shocked he fumbled that. Yeah, me too. But, you know, the, the dude hit it. He wasn't holding it as tight as he probably could have. But it happens in football. That's why the – ball shaped like an egg so that that will happen anyway uh so we get the ball back and it's look i'm i'm talking to you at the time actually and we're like all right well just let's okay let's gather ourselves there's nine minutes on the clock a lot can happen next thing you know the game was over i mean we went 13 plays 78 yards and just ran nine minutes and 13 seconds off the clock dude that was when alabama i think that's when those boys on offense became men really that that was to me we could look back, and it wasn't as sexy as the Yeldon touchdown um, in 2012, 13, yeah. but um, 2012, it wasn't as sexy as that. But this could, I could, I could see us looking back at that and saying that was a turning point of our season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's just, it's it's, you know. How many teams in the nation can go 13 plays, 9-13 to close out the number two team in the nation? Nobody. That is only I don't. Us. I don't think anybody's def- our offense, excuse me, can slow down enough to do that. I, I think with the huge hype now of, oh, we got to get to the line, get to the line, run, you know, run a guy, you know, across the field. Let's let's run a crossing route. Let's run, you know, the read option. We're gonna run the read option. I think we're the only offense in the world that's like, hey. Let's go out of the pistol, take 23 seconds off the play clock, run it for five yards, and then sit on it for 48, or excuse me, like 40 seconds. And do it again. Hike the ball again, get it to third and inches, waste another 40 seconds off the play clock. I mean, it just, it adds up. It it really, really does. And I looked at, uh, I was watching the game with Tori, um, who came closest out of all of us again on the score predictions. Naturally. Uh, And I was watching it with her, and I said, you know, I, I I don't think we really even have to score here. I I think that we can just <laughs> we didn't. sort of. <laughs> we close. The game was I, just over. The game yeah, was over. I said, oh, we I won. Said, as long as we run five minutes off, Patrick. I just said we needed to run five off, and I thought we'd win. And then you know we're looking down, and there's two minutes left in the game. There's no way that offense is scoring. You know, however many what fourteen on that defense in two minutes? Are you kidding me? I bet CBS CBS hated it though because they couldn't go to commercial break, and you know how they are Good. commercial before sports. Good lord, because their commercials are twenty five minutes long. Anyway, fun stat, fun stat. Uh, Leonard Fournette had six more rushing yards than CBS had commercial breaks. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh are you serious? my. Goodness. Are you serious? Is that a real stat, or did you <laughs> yeah, just make that's that a thing. up? I think someone on Reddit counted 25 commercial breaks. I can't oh confirm God. it, but that's I wouldn't, you know, it's close. Well, let's let's get to Leonard Fournette and how he did against our defense. Uh, our great, defense did pretty good. Great all-around effort. 182 yards. Forced a turnover from Dylan Lee. 
Where have you been, my friend? Dylan Lee, feel like I haven't seen you in ages. He is the defensive OJ Howard. Uh, only <laughs> I wouldn't allowed, go that far, dude. I wouldn't only, go that far. <laughs> only allowed 12 first downs, Patrick? 12. I mean, it's just Fournette, 19 carries, 31 yards. And you'll remember with, like, what was it? You know, uh, about a minute left in the third quarter, he had one that was 18 yards. Yeah. So I, he, mean, with- I mean, he easily could have averaged a yard a carry if it weren't for that big run. Which was just sort of his God-given talent. I mean, and I see these people who were talking about, oh, look what Nick Chubb could have been. If Nick Chubb would have kept playing, he'd be in the Heisman conversation, which I'm not saying he wouldn't. But there's these people that are saying, well, he did better against Alabama's defense. Well, no. Even before before the 80-yard run, he had more success against Alabama. I mean, he was having a couple 12-yard rushes here and there. Not great, but better than 31 yards. He was also at home. It was also raining. I mean, I know it it, it wasn't raining during this game. The rain had stopped at this point in this game. I just, I don't think that Nick Chubb played a better game than Fournette did against Alabama. I no, don't. Because he had the outlier and it's easy, it's easy to say. I mean, that boosted his average, but. But I think, I think those two players are so gifted that despite, I mean, you can see pictures. And if you rewatch the game, our defensive line is getting a one yard push on every single play. And people were, you know, people were comparing, Oh, well, did Alabama stack the box? Did they stack the box? And I think it was some guy from SB Nation did it. Alabama only stacked the box technically a good, you know, two or three times per quarter. I read I read that article. I'm not going to blast the article. It was a well-written article. We did do a lot of stunts, though, not to take anything away from Kirby Smart. He game-planned like crazy, and we did but a lot of defense, hidden stunts. Kirby Smart's always done that. He has, was, man. He has. Was, I think the point of the article, and I, I agree with you, it was, it was really well-written, but I think it kind of missed the mark. Yeah. It wasn't that it, the article said something about you know Alabama didn't do anything uh, you know special yeah it flashy. said we didn't do anything special and yeah that we, we didn't be do anything flashy or special and it, it's kind of like well no we did it's just we didn't do anything different than what Alabama normally does exactly exactly um okay so we're going to do a lot of bragging on it we're going to sound really cocky and believe me it's going to get even worse. But it's gonna get a lot worse. I just have to – we're going to do soapboxes later. I'm going to go on soapbox number one. Coming into this game, you watch all the pundits do the talking, the game day and the leading up to game day, college football live and on Twitter. And, and, and the question was, how can Alabama stop Leonard Fournette? And every time, every single time, the guy got on the mic and said, well, there's no stopping Leonard Fournette. He's going to get his. You're just going to have to contain him and hope that yeah. Brandon Harris makes the mistakes. Sure. Not No, no, we stopped him. And yeah. uh, it's, listen, it, it, it is frustrating because the, well, the thing that it pissed is so me much off easier is, to stop a good running back than it is a good quarterback. The thing that frustrated me was you see all of these people who are, oh, I'm an analyst. I'm an analyst. If you're an analyst, you would have watched the Georgia game where we played the running back that was compared to Fournette all year long. It's Patrick, you and I talk about it all the time. The media lives in the right now. Yes. And we do it too. And I they mean, regurgitate. You, you and I are they regurgitate. You're going to regurgitate exactly what the dude said an hour earlier on the same show. But here's another thing that I brought up to some people that I was working with. If Leonard Fournette breaks off a 72-yard run and LSU pulls within three that game, and then we still win – He's still in the favor to win. The Completely Heisman. different, but he never did. He never did. He didn't. He didn't. We were determined. I think we were more determined to stop Fournette even than we were Chubb at the time, just because of all the talk and all the, hype, the rivalry yeah. and the two versus four. Um, and I'm not saying the team didn't want to stop Chubb, but you you get what I'm saying. Um, 
It was as close to a perfect game that I've seen from our defense. Uh, I mean, they scored twice, was, and both was, uh, scores were really just – you can call them miscues on defense, but – Well, the, the, one, the one play that really sticks out in my – in my mind, and I know you've got one that sticks out in yours too. I see it here on the docket. I didn't even think of it because I kind of blocked it out. Was play calling. It wasn't execution. Uh, Cyrus Jones comes off on the blitz. It's a second and ten safety blitz. I that wasn't even on the field. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. It was as soon as the ball was let go, I, I called it. I said that's a touchdown. And sure yeah. enough, it was. It was a great pass. Brandon Harris didn't have a great game the other night, but that pass was on target. And he that's got exactly, drilled on that throw too. Yeah. Oh, he was getting knocked down all night. Um, so, you know, that was that was an impressive play by them, but I also think if that safety blitz isn't called, I'm not sure LSU scores more than 10 points this game. Yeah, we, we put down two plays that we we kind of quote, quoted it as a miscue, but it wasn't because, okay, so the, we're going to call that one play calling. Uh, the other touchdown was just because of the Derrick Henry fumble, and LSU only had 31 yards to go. And yeah. we're up by so much, you're probably calling a little bit conservative there anyway. Uh, and then, uh, the, the, the really the first one, the only time I even really got nervous about our defense in the game was when we had a, it was we had LSU at a third and 20-something and Brandon Harris was standing in his own end zone. And uh, he just threw the ball up to Travin Durrell. He was double-covered. The corners never located the ball. He made the catch for the first down. It was like clockwork. Now, they tried to do the same exact play again later. We stopped it. But that, that was – I'm not even going to rip that play. It's just – it's football sometimes that happens. Well, and the thing that bothered me about that play the most is that Eddie Jackson, who has sort of been the quarterback for the secondary the entire season, is over there looking at the sidelines. Yeah. When the ball, the play, high, the like when the ball snaps, he's five yards out of position. He's looking at the sidelines with his hands up because he can't figure out the play. And I don't know if that was an Eddie Jackson thing or a Kirby Smart thing or just a miscommunication. It got really loud at that point in the game. That was down by the student section, so I can't imagine how loud it was. But it just sort of bothered me because it's like, okay, guys, how are we not on the same page on a third and 25 situation? You know, it just it didn't make a lot of sense to me. But the game worked out all yeah, good the same, there. Yeah, at the same time, not to – because this is still probably the best we've seen Alabama's defense play for four quarters since the national championship against LSU several years ago. Yeah, yeah. I'd Unless you can that. think of a better one since then. That's the best I've seen them play since I, then. I really have to rack my brain to think of one. Uh, maybe Texas A&M uh, at Kyle Field that one year. Um, you mean this year? No. 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 Against Johnny Manziel when Vinny Sinceri had the pick six. That – that game, just because they they had so many offensive weapons that didn't pan out against that defense. Uh, but that's not really a dominance thing. I, you know, Patrick, I can't really think of another one. I, I can't. It's, it's, yeah, it's because really... that Texas A&M game, Manziel still had close to 500 yards, and, and Mike Evans had almost 200 yards receiving. I think but, but when the, you think the about national it, championship like was close? probably the single most dominant game I've ever seen from a defense on a big stage, ever. I'd agree with you. But you asked me about one since then. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's close. I mean, that's but these these two games are the ones that stick out to me. So thank goodness they were both against LSU. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Anyway, right, special let's, teams. Let's, yes. Okay. You haven't heard this story. Yeah, that's why I'm. I, I just want to jump into it. I'm excited for it. So, into the second, into the first half, into the second quarter, we're sort of lining up, doing that weird sort of before halftime thing that Alabama does. <laughs> Can't sort figure of, out what we want to do with we, the ball. Oh, we're gonna score. We're gonna score. We're gonna score. We're going to take a knee and go into the locker room. 
uh, we're going to run it for five yards with Derrick Henry. It just we, we never really know what we're doing. We call a play. Everybody runs out there. Call a timeout. Everybody runs back on the goes side. To com- goes to commercial. We're like, all right, so what play are they drawing up? I get up, grab another beer, sit down on the couch. All of a sudden, Adam Griffiths is on my TV screen. And I turned and I said, why? I wasn't angry. <laughs> I looked at Tori and I said, why? Because he's not going to make it. And it's going to make him feel bad. And it's going to make me sad because I'm about to rip him apart again on the podcast. Patrick, he drilled it. The kid drilled it. I mean, he's I know 13 for close. his last 15. That's worth mentioning. He drilled it. But, okay. So here's the story about it. Also, if you get a chance, uh, follow me on Twitter, everybody, at Patrick Norwood. <laughs> Just go through, and you can unfollow me after this because I do tweet a lot, and they're usually dumb puns. But go through my timeline and look when Adam Griffith made that kick because I just started retweeting everyone's response to it. Patrick, it was the funniest things I've ever read. Like, people just saying, wow, oh my god, did that just happen? Holy crap. Like, no one could believe that it just happened. But anyway, so let me get to the story. I've been enough of a tease. Uh... As it's reported, I'll give you save inside of the story and then Griffiths. Or actually, I'll do Griffiths first. So Adam Griffiths said that after the game, before uh, that play, he wanted to get in Coach Saban's eyesight. So he just walked and stood right next to him on the sideline. So Saban <laughs> calls his timeout and starts looking around. And I, I imagine they would have been at eye level because they're both like, what, my height? Uh, and so he, he turned around and saw him. And now I'll go to Saban's side of the story. According to Coach Saban, Adam Griffith said, and I quote, Coach, put me in. I'll make this. That's all he said. The kid who has been miserable his entire career at Alabama. Let's just call it what it is. He's terrible. He's not a great kicker. He had the kick six incident to really start off his career, which isn't very nice. That's a 58-yarder. 58-yarder. Comes out. 55-yard field goal. I can't imagine anything else was in his mind other than, nah, screw it. Let's try it. This was the kick that flipped my script on Adam Griffith. I looked at the numbers. He started off 0 for 4 on the year. But even coming into the year, we knew that there were some back issues. Apparently that got healed up, and now he's 13 for his last 15. Um, he's 13 of 17, on 13 of 17, 19 on the year. He's now even gotten himself up to a pretty respectable average. I'm done calling him a bad kicker till he starts missing him again. But until now, I you know what? Send him out on the field. 13 is the last 15 speaking for itself. I, I respect any athlete who, when it comes down to time, says, I want the ball. Yeah. I love the way that Adam Griffith did it. I'm not going to be annoying. I'm not going to yell at you to tell me to put me in. I'm going to stand close to you <laughs> and hope <laughs> that you look in my direction. And when you do, tell you sheepishly, hey, put me in. I'll make it. I, I That's just – that's – fascinating i love it i love that great sorry we can start talking about that now uh patrick i'm gonna get into a sean robinson we're both gonna talk a little bit about somebody that sort of made an impact on us and heard a little bit of a interesting fact from yesterday so a sean robinson uh i don't want to spend too much time on this let's just call it what it was it was just awesome he's a freak i like i've seen that play in the nfl a couple times and I was thinking, you know, I'm not really sure that'll ever happen in the NCAA because I, I, you just don't see that, and there's so many rules about what you can and can't do. To the he's long talking snapper. about he's, he's talking about the blocked extra point, by the way, where he just cleared over the line. He did a little double jump that you'd see yeah. in a video game. He jumped once over the line, jumped again, blocked the kick, boom, over like it was, that. It was 
I wish he would have been able to do it against like a huge field goal or something. It was kind of a yeah. bummer that it was an extra point, but it's still he improved his draft stock a lot. Oh, he's 300 pounds, and here's the way this has to work. By the way, I could see this from like Ed Reed, but this dude's 300 pounds. In order for this not to be a penalty, he has to clear the line. If he hurdles or touches the defender. It's a penalty, you can't do it, but as long as you clear, and he might have grazed his foot, but as long as you, in all intents and purposes, clear that line, you're good. So a 300-pound dude, did, the only time you see that work in the NFL, like I said, is like Ed Reed. Seriously, yeah. the, the best athletes on the field ever, which he's yeah. an amazing athlete, but he's 300 pounds, you never expect it. It was miraculous. It was awesome. Imagine if Terrence Cody would have done that same thing against Tennessee on his. That would have been the most beautiful painting of all time. I don't think they have the, the same vertical. <laughs> you don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, all right. The other, the other game, yeah, the other one that sticks out to us, we're going to get into it. Um, sort of reminded me of Reuben Foster against LSU last year, hitting for net before the half. This was, or before overtime, this was before the half. Just Tony Brown going, and, and I think it was. Hundred miles an hour. Name? Was it Guice? Guice should know his, how to pronounce uh, his name. He's, think, he's a tough player, but um, yeah. Tony Brown goes and lays him out. The team gets pumped. We go in the locker room with yeah. momentum, and we're getting the I ball mean, back. I mean, it was a it was a brutal, brutal they hit. Got the ball back. Hundred miles an hour down the field. I got to imagine that's a little bit of Tony Brown's frustration with the season too. Yes. Not getting a lot of playing time behind freshmen, but Patrick, I told you something, and I think you looked into it a little bit before we started. Uh, what are we sort of hearing from the Tony Brown camp right now as far as playing defensive back and what position that well, may? It's of... well known that he was a true freshman last year and started at corner. And now this year he is rarely seeing the field at corner. Um, obviously, that's where we said the frustrations came from. I want to mention before I say what you just mentioned, uh, CBS brought up the fact that, that Nick Saban was – yelling at him at practice saying, do you want to be on this team? Don't look into that too much. I think CBS was just bringing up talking points. That happens on every football field in the country. A coach says that to almost every player at some point in their career. Anyway, we, from what we've heard is that he was practicing with the safeties this week. How about that? Is, uh, he's, I mean, he's, he's, he, he looks the part. He's fast. He's play, He runs track at Alabama. Patrick, I was he, afraid he, he broke, was going to transfer. He broke a record in high school. For the hurdles in Texas. Texas high school track. I think it's the 300 meter hurdles. He has the record. What an athlete. He is an athlete. And I don't, I don't, I love that he's on the Eddie Jackson track. Hey, you're he, great at cornerback, but we've got some guys ahead of you and you're not really playing that well to sort of play. Do you want to try safety? Yeah, sure. I'll try safety. I hope he plays really well. I hope we see him every game next season. I hope that would be great. The next uh, so who, who, what do you, do you think he would start at safety if he keeps practicing there? Because you still got a, you still got a lot of guys back there that could, that are looking like they're going to take over for Jackson uh, next year. And Cyrus but, Jones. Yeah. Yeah, Cyrus Jones leaves the – I mean, most people would think it would be Fitzpatrick and um, Humphrey, but Fitzpatrick plays really, really well in his nickel role. I, yeah. think, if, if, I think if Tony Brown had a strong, a strong spring and was able to kind of rebound from this last spring and the injuries that he had and fallen behind on the depth chart, I think – the coaches would love to have Humphrey and Brown start with Minka staying in his um, his nickel role. Yeah. Anyway, but that that's 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 it's just kind of worth mentioning at this point in the season. But that that's something that's going to be probably talked about in a little less than a year from now. Yeah. All right, Patrick, you you went on your soapbox a little bit earlier. 
I'm going to go on one now. I think we both got a soapbox here, but yours is great. You called me during the middle of the game to do this. I, I called you before the fourth quarter because <laughs> I, I knew we were going to win. I think my exact quote was, I'm not even happy. I'm more angry at everyone else. And let me explain. I am happy that we beat LSU. I, I really am. But there was someone on my Twitter timeline who I'm not going to mention by name. One of my ex-roommates. But anyway. <laughs> who was going through and retweeting all of the people who said that, oh, Alabama doesn't deserve to be there. Why are they a playoff team? This is ridiculous. It's just a name brand. There's so many undefeated teams behind them. They don't deserve it. A, like I said last week, don't look at the rankings because it doesn't matter. It's way too early, and I agree with Nick Saban. I don't even think they should be done this early they shouldn't i don't think they should be done till probably the last couple weeks of the season but anyway yeah but yet everybody flipped out because nobody listened to me even though i know everyone listened to the podcast danny cannell pissed me off the most because i i I understand he hates the sec i don't have a problem believing that one bit if i were a college football fan outside of the sec i would despise the sec i can't imagine how frustrating it is for somebody else to sit there and be like oh well the sec Here's the thing. When you look at that game, number two versus number four, and you can say it was for TV scheduling like you and I both think it was, how do you not put Alabama in that conversation? People saying, oh, well, they don't deserve it. They're not as good as TCU and Baylor and Michigan State. (laughs) Well, how about those teams now? Because they all have one loss. TCU got absolutely smacked against Uh, them. I mean, it was an – Boykin, four interceptions. Smacked, Patrick. When we lost, yeah, we lost. I mean, I, I consider that a bad loss by us because I don't think it was that close. I understand we only lost by six. I don't think it was that close. Yes. They we, got obliterated. They got obliterated. They got, Michigan State fans are pissed off because a wide receiver ran out of bounds, which I don't even care because you had six opportunities to win that game. You couldn't close it out there, bucko. So don't sit here and tell me that Alabama doesn't deserve to be in the college football playoff. Oh, I love it. Listen to you. I'm off my soapbox now. Oh, you're I, off? I, I'm you a just... little bit – I know. I know. I, I was I was going to go into that a little bit more. No, you're good. But when I, when I finished I that last sentence, I figured that was good enough. So. No, but I agree with you. I agree with you. Everybody wanted to talk about – well, they, the big joke was making Alabama's losses don't count. A, you know, a loss is a quality loss for Alabama. It's basically a win. Huh, Alabama do their loss, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a sign at game day, I want to say, that said, Bama losses matter. <laughs> pretty funny, but... <laughs> that's in poor taste, but that's pretty funny. Um, so, yeah. look, I mean, exactly, you know, we told... We just... We told you. You know I, what? And and so many people... You're allowed to pick LSU when they're number two, and they, you're allowed to pick them to beat us, but... Patrick, you and I we, were both talking about it last week before the podcast, before we did our score predictions. Do we really think we're going to win? Yeah. We did. We both picked us to win. But but did we really, in our heart of hearts, believe 100% we were going to win? No, no not 100%. It's never I that believe way. that like 60. I mean, I was close to saying LSU last week. I but wouldn't just, care. It just but... feels so good to go out there and dominate to shut them up. Just, you know what? We're still here. Just, yeah. okay, listen, we lost earlier in the year. We won two national championships recently where we lost games in the season. And then at the end of the year, everybody's going, well, Alabama's still the best team. Oh, Dynasty's dead, right? 
The dynasty's dead. Sabin's done. Sabin's done. Then we win the national championship go. and boom. Dear God. No, I, I, you know, I would love. To, I don't know. We still got a lot of games left. But you can't tell me that when we're on our A game, it's not the most impressive team you see in the country. Baylor's got a big game this week. We'll get into this later. Baylor's got a big game against Oklahoma. That's going to be kind of a uh, a, a measuring stick of sorts for them, I think, because they played some pretty garbage defenses this year. And Oklahoma's a, a they had a terrible loss to Texas, like teams sometimes do, but Oklahoma's been a good team this year. Anyway, I know we have a rule that we're not gonna that our sound off at the end of the show shouldn't be about college football, but my sound off this week is. I had something else written down, but. All right, that's fine. Okay, Baylor, so Baylor run for State, cover TCU because my lose. sound off is going to be loud. Okay, uh, let's move on. Okay. Well, we got we got to we got to give a thank you to one team. Just a shout out. Thank you, well, Arkansas. Thank you, Arkansas. That game was crazy. If you haven't seen it, go on YouTube, watch it. We're running out of time, or else I'd tell you about it. But best it game of the year so far, by the way. I will say that. Yeah. Even the other finishes, even even the Michigan Michigan State finish. I think Georgia Tech game, Florida State was pretty incredible. Yeah, I guess I'm just kind of more biased because it helped us out a little bit. Yeah. So, Is that wrong with me? I don't think so. Shout out to all the pairs. Heisman right. talk. Let's move it to Heisman talk. Patrick, do you smell something? Does it smell like someone's burning? Because <laughs> it's time for some hot takes. I knew it was coming. You're good let's, at that. Let's get, some, let's get some Heisman hot takes going, Patrick. Derrick Henry, three to two odds. Can he's he my, win He's the my number Heisman? one. He's my number one. Can he win it? He can. I agree. I agree. I, I Like we said, I think he has one or two more good games. I think it's his. Why We're not? still playing some good defenses. We still got to play uh, what will be a nationally televised SEC championship, yep. provided we make it. We'll play the Iron Bowl, which people's eyes will be on because of the name of the game. It's also in Jordan Hare. And then I think before we get into even more hot takes, I think the precedent for the Heisman, in my opinion, is you, I feel like you got to be a playoff team. Or you need be to be team. on a small school that upsets some huge teams like yep. Robert Griffin did. Yep, absolutely. That's the way, that is the way I see it. Back to the hot takes. Back How to it. How much did Fournette and Boykin stock take a hit this weekend, Patrick? You want to take Fournette or do you want to take Boykin? I'll take Boykin. Played like crap. He's a good dude, and I like him a lot. I hope he does really, really well in his career, but he played awful. Fournette. I will say Fournette. It's hard to win the Heisman when you go out and have 31 game, 31 yards in your biggest game of the season but mark ingram won it and he had a not so great game against auburn so he's not out of it but he's has been knocked off the top spot it would have definitely helped fournette to play in the sec championship game which he could i think you know what here's what i'll say i think whatever running back uh, if someone if if henry or fournette are going to win it they've got to win the sec championship and have a decent game they don't have to blow people off the map They've got to have a decent game in the SEC Championship to win it. Patrick, I'm going to rip off some names. You're going to take them down. You're going to bring them up. Do these people have a chance to win? Coleman, Baylor wide receiver. They have to win this weekend, and he has to score. He scored in every game. Uh, he, every every game but one, he's had a multi-touchdown game. He's got 20 already on the season. He's putting up some crazy numbers. Patrick, but, ask me. Ask me if I think he can win it. He's a wide receiver. It's hard to win a wide receiver. How about yourself? What do you think? No! Because, like I said, I'm putting Baylor on blast here in a bit. Watch out for my sound off, Baylor. Duck and cover, Baylor. Dalvin Cook, Patrick, can he win it? Last week I would have said yes. This week I say no. Two losses, they're not going to be a playoff team, and that would be completely going against what I just said. Dalvin Cook, sorry, you still might be the best running back in the nation, but 
I'm not saying he is, but he could be. He's very, very talented. I will say this. I but think he's not gonna win it. that Leonard Fournette will go first in running backs. I think Dalvin Cook will be second, but no, he does not win the Heisman. Patrick Watson, who is this kid? Who's this Watson kid you keep talking about, Patrick? He was my preseason pick, by the way. Don't sleep on him. He's the who running. Is he's this guy. Now, if we're going to talk Heisman as a quarterback's award, and with Boykin being out of it, in my opinion, Watson is now the sexy name on the top. Of, he's the sexy quarterback in the discussion. Highlight plays. He needs to stay undefeated. If he loses a game, he's out. I, I don't believe in him. I think this next guy that we're about to talk about is the only guy that I really think has a chance. And that's Ezekiel Elliott. Ripped up Alabama last year. Had a pretty good season this year. He's kind of like still, Derek he's, Henry. He's still carrying Ohio State, though. He's, he's, he's flying under the radar, though. you got to admit, he's, there's not a lot of people calling Ezekiel Elliott's name this week when we're talking about Heisman frontrunner. Two weeks ago, though, that wasn't the case. It's just because we're just fresh off. Yeah, and last week that we were all saying that Fournette was going to win it, and Fournette's going to win the Heisman. Now it's Derrick exactly. Henry's going to win the Heisman. We live in the moment. McCaffrey. Oh, boy. Uh, Stanford's got to make the playoff, and he needs to be the reason why. I don't think he's going to win it. I think he's a 1% chance. But he's the last guy really on the board worth mentioning. I don't think he's really got too much of a shot. But if Stanford can make the playoff and uh, and he can be just monstrous in those games, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. History doesn't really play that well for uh, white running backs out of Stanford. So, no, McCaffrey, you will not win the Heisman. Patrick, let's move on. We're done with the hot takes. We have a game next week, by the way. We have a game on Saturday. We do. Well, we don't. Alabama does. We went there for school. We can say we. Bama's offense ranked 47th overall in the nation in total offense. Mississippi State's ranked 36th. Patrick, is that a big deal? I think our offenses are kind of a wash. I don't think the offense is going to – I think the game is going to be decided. Obviously, Alabama's the more talented team. I think Obviously. it's going to be decided by – how we can come back after beating LSU. Are our heads going to get too big, or are we going to be focused on the task at hand? You, we saw, you, we've seen... you, this is something that bothered me about you. In the docket this week, you said, remember 2013? Yeah, I do I remember do. 2013. Do you remember last year? What What are we going to see? That's the question. Plus, last year's a little bit different. Mississippi State was the number one team in the country coming to Bryant-Denny. It was, game day was there too. Don't forget. There was there was going to be no. They weren't a trap game. You can't call the number one team a trap game. This could be a trap game. I don't call if, this a trap game. I'm not going to call it yet. But still, it's worth mentioning. 2013, we beat LSU at home pretty handily. Uh, we, our heads were as big as this as, as they've ever been. And then we went to Starkville. We won 20 to seven. It was really more of a 13 to seven game where we had a late touchdown and had four turnovers. Did not look good at all. We were abysmal, and I remember that game specifically. Because there was only really one play that I took out of it, and that was when Christian Jones killed the dude on the kickoff. You remember killed that? Him. That was awesome. Crushed him. Yeah. But uh, yeah. then, um, so, and on that, you got to think Mississippi State, nobody's talking about them. We ruined their season. Not ruined it, but we knocked them off their perch last year. They were number yeah. one. We knocked them off. We made them look silly. The wheels fall off their wagon and their, uh, and their, their, their bandwagon at the same time as well. They're, they have a very talented quarterback who's been the best, quietly been the best quarterback in the SEC this year, again, and Dak Prescott. So you never know. You, know, you never we, know. I'm not going to put ourselves at number one and go, there's no one that's beaten us. Mississippi State didn't have a chance because I didn't think Ole Miss was going to beat us. Here's the stat, Patrick, that's going to be 
the, the teller for this game, in my opinion. Mississippi State is ranked 68th overall in run defense. 68th. Ooh. That doesn't look too good when uh, Derrick Henry's the opposing running back, does it, Patrick? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And it really we've, doesn't. We've, we've kind of found our stride running the ball and, and all that stuff. Score prediction. Give me your score prediction. Okay. Score prediction, I think... Now, I have been talking about let's not have a hangover. Um, but I do think that we'll win, and I think we're going to play pretty well. So I'm going to give us a... Uh, I'm going to give us a 31-17 kind of win. 31-13. I don't think I'm it's going, super close. I'm going 31-14. Oh, way to deviate from me there, bro. I, I'm sorry, but I had I, – I, this is nah, why great minds think alike. Great minds think alike. I'll chalk it up to that. We just got to beat Tori. Why does she keep doing this, man? Two points off the correct answer last week. Is Tori there right now? No. No, oh. she's sick, actually. Text her. Put her on the spot. No, she's sick. She oh, probably. Oh, she feels better. Like fifty-two to seven or something. That's probably. You know what? Actually, now I just think that you know, whatever she says could happen. So we need Tori to just say like sixty-three to seven every single week for the rest of the season. Anyway, perfect. let's That'd move on. Around the SEC, Patrick, uh, do you think Arkansas can beat LSU? Well, they just beat Ole Miss. Arkansas has a tendency to creep up on people now. Um, Brandon Allen. Boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy. Kids get hard. That, oh. Kids get I watched hard. the end of that game, and that was just, I was so happy for the guy. Um, Seems I, like a good dude. I think, they can, I think they can beat him. It's a rivalry game. Um, not an off-talk-about rivalry game around college football, but those two teams take this game seriously. And I think if Arkansas comes out, they can beat LSU, but I don't think they will. Yeah. Uh... Don't look now, Patrick. Auburn's doing a little bit better. Don't look now, baby. I mean... I, we still got to play know. them, too. Brandon Marcello of AL.com wrote a piece this week talking about how Jeremy Johnson feels like he's found his edge. And okay. he possibly, depending on how Sean White feels, could possibly retake his starting job. Patrick, how realistic is that? And if Auburn does figure out their quarterback issue, do they have a realistic chance of beating Alabama in a couple weeks? Well, they all it's the Iron Bowl. They have. They always had. I will always give them a realistic chance, unless Gene Chizik's the coach and oh, Cam well. Newton's not on the team. But to say that Jeremy Johnson found his edge after one game. Hey, stranger he things have happened. Yes. No, he could. He totally could. But I don't know. Is the piece kind of trying to anoint Jeremy Johnson again? I know that it's trying to draw up some interest for the Iron Bowl and, of course, the Georgia game this weekend. Um, but Auburn still has a lot of stuff to work out. Their their defense is one player, and yeah. that's Carl Lawson. And Carl Lawson is amazing. He's good. Amazing. Amazing. Good. But yeah. their offense is getting its identity down. Alabama went through that earlier. Not as bad as Auburn has this year. But, like, they're getting their identity down. I think they're going to beat Georgia this weekend just for the fact that their offense has now more of an identity than Georgia does. I think Gus Malzahn – I think people are underestimating how important this last part of the season is for Gus Malzahn. I'm not saying he needs to beat Alabama to keep his job. All I'm saying is if he loses to Georgia miserably and loses to Alabama miserably – he might be on a hot seat. Maybe not this year, Patrick. Yeah. 
but I think in the near future, a lot sooner than people are willing to admit because of the great season he had a couple years ago. But look at that guy's statistics compared to the guy before him, if you will. Very similar. Very similar. Very, very similar. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Potential SEC championship against Florida. Florida. Florida's already in. If we go, they're the opponent. We know that. We know that. But with the way I they think the important thing, to, yeah, exactly. Last weekend's the, the important thing. To see. I mean, I know Derek Mason found his magical sheet of paper. I don't. Did you read that article? Did you read that at the beginning of the season? Uh. Uh-uh. Okay. Derek Mason, Vanderbilt coach, right? Yeah. Uh, talked about when he was in college, he had a sheet of paper where he wrote down every situation that could happen in football and what he would do, and he lost it, right? And then right after SEC Media Days, found it and made this huge thing about it. And all these writers started making fun of him and stuff. And I feel bad because I, I really do think he was just kind of making a joke and people blew it out of the water. But people that are writing happens. like Vanderbilt's about to go undefeated. He found his secret sheet of paper. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Uh, that was sort of on a tangent, but I, I just really love that story. If you get a chance, I funny. think it was SB Nation. You should look it up. Uh Patrick, do we are we looking too far into this Florida game? Do you really think they choked that much against Vanderbilt, or do you I think just it don't... was just sort of homecoming? The jitters, they know that they can clinch the SEC East, so they're sort of nervous. What do you think it was? I don't. I just. I don't know that we've seen the full fallout of the Will Greer not starting anymore. Um, just because of the 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 games they played. I mean, they played LSU. And I will I will give them they played a pretty well against LSU. Uh, Greer or and then they played Georgia. They beat Georgia by a lot. I don't know. They haven't. Uh, now I go, now I'm going to contradict myself. I'm going to take back what I just said. They played LSU, and I just don't know how to take them. I don't know, man. They went and played against like so we played well against LSU and Georgia, and then does this against Vanderbilt, and their offense could not move the ball, and they had four turnovers. Well, I mean, look at us last year. So they got South Carolina some this weekend. They got some uh, some team, FAU. F-I-U, yeah, FAU, I'm maybe. looking at now. FAU, okay. then okay. Florida State, who they play every year, and then the SEC Championship. That Florida-Florida State game is going to be interesting. You don't, think those, you don't think Jimbo and the boys are a little pissed off about the way their season went this season? They're still a good team. They've just had two close losses. They've had two close losses to, well, one not good team and one very good team. Yeah. The game this weekend was closer than the final score will show you. It went really far into the second half. All right, Patrick, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it needs to be addressed. We're going to kind of tone down and get a little more serious. Um, everything that's been going on in Missouri, if, if you haven't heard, uh, a couple racist things were shouted uh, at some African-American students. There was a, a sort of swastika drawn and uh, – let's just say it excrement on a bathroom stall um i mean just really really disturbing stuff uh missouri's players decide that they're going to go on strike they announced they're not going to play football until the president steps down tim wolf ended up stepping down as of yesterday around i want to say 11 eastern time uh really really interesting stuff i don't really want to get too much into our opinions of what happened other than sort of just giving the facts but patrick i want you 
in two sentences, and I'm going to give you time because I'm going to give you my two sentences. I know I'm sort of springing this on you. Sort of explain your thoughts on the situation and what it means for the world. Or not for the world, but for the college football world, I should say. Here's my opinion on it. I think that it is wrong that the administration did not make some sort of announcement. And that's what a lot of the football players were angry about. A lot of the students were angry about was, it. Was, was the response to there these was, things there that was are going no to tension on campus? Exactly. It wasn't that they were saying, you know, our president, you know, whatever, is racist or anything like that. They were saying there was no response. There should have been a response and this is bullcrap. And I agree with them. I think anytime something happens that big and it's becoming that much of a problem on campus, it needs to be addressed. Now, if you're asking me if I think Tim Wolf should have lost his job, no. I think he made a bad choice by trying to sweep it under the rug. Or maybe not sweep it under the rug, but just ignore it, hoping it went away. Well, I think... It, it, I think hold on. Keep going. Not done. Keep going. Keep going. Sorry. Here's, here's all I'll say. And then, then it's all you. I think that it was 20-something-year-olds getting passionate about something, which they should. Non-violently protesting, as they should. Yes. But expecting one move at an executive position at a leadership position to change the way that campus is just because you get a new president doesn't mean that these racist people and that these people who make you feel not unsafe but uncomfortable on your campus are going to go away they're not going to go away because their president leaves it's not like an army where you kill the general and the army doesn't really know what to do and that's not even really the case anymore but you know what i mean you yeah. get the metaphor that's not how it works and it just sort of concerns me for the face of college football that football players are bigger than administration. And I'm not saying that things shouldn't have been done. Things should have been handled differently because I am. I, I appreciate those students and those players for sticking up for something they believe in. I think that's really brave. And I think that's a great role model for, you know, younger generations. But it just worries me, Patrick, and it concerns me that this time – Football became bigger than administration. So well, student student I'm athletes certainly have more power now than they did yesterday. Um, yeah. I don't know that Tim Wolf was he the anger there wasn't because he did the wrong thing. It was because he didn't do the right thing in a timely and it was a PR disaster. It reminds me of two separate instances. It reminds me of two years ago, my senior year at Alabama. Um, where all this stuff and Fox News and other news outlets and, and, and CNN and all these people are covering the fact that there was so much tension with the sorority and the Greek system, but specifically the sororities, for not allowing um, African Americans into into their ranks and into their sororities and their fraternities. Um, there's no such thing as a perfect institution, and I love Alabama. But if there's one big negative that comes to me, and a lot of southern schools deal with stuff like this still – it is the it's the racism that you don't know you wouldn't know it unless you actually go to the school and listen to the way people talk when they don't think anyone's listening um it's just there it's just there's a separation and it's very prevalent in the greek system i'm not going to say it's 100 percent there so and then it kind of reminded me of um last year with uh ray rice and the roger goodell situation where goodell punished Ray Rice, but not in the right way, and then fixed his punishment, realized his mistake, but by that time the damage had been done. It's too late, right. It's too late, and and when you're dealing with something like racism or like uh, like violence against women, you can't make those kinds of mistakes. Any domestic violence, not just... Any domestic violence, specifically, I mean, yes. 
um, against women. But you know, I you, I don't know, Patrick. I just I, it, like I said, uh, I didn't can, I didn't read into exactly what his response was, so I can't speak on that. I just know that the 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 tensions on on campus were high, very high after a lot of things, and the students were all talking about it. A lot of things well, happened on campus. Well, and it gets to a point racist where things, very racist things. Yeah, and well, and it gets to a point when a student he didn't do much from what I know, from what I understand. The the quote that got me was not the fact that uh, it was it was not the fact like you said that he did the wrong thing. He just didn't do the right thing in a timely manner. Yes, and. It just bothers me, Patrick. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't like the fact that a couple of students who – and I'm not saying all of them are like this, but I'm saying that some of these students who protested protested just to protest and just to be a part of something. They didn't really have a dog in the fight, and they just wanted to be a part of something and stand up, You know, which I'm not saying is necessarily wrong, but it just bothers me that they were able to get someone to resign. Yeah. Here's a direct quote from Tim Wolf from yesterday. I tweeted this, and then we're going to move on and get past this because we're coming up on an hour. The quote is, quote, we have to respect each other enough to stop yelling at each other and start listening. And the way that he phrased it, if I give you the rest of the quote, is that he was saying that about his administration. But I think if you just take that quote, and I, I clipped that off specifically, Patrick, because I think he was saying that more to his student body than he was his administration. I think maybe if we read a little bit more into it, we may have learned that Missouri was taking – and I'm not saying this for sure. Uh, like I said, I support students sticking up for what they believe in, and I think that's great. Uh, it's just because uh, – well, I on, think I on. understand what you're saying. Okay, Be yeah, you go. Because yeah. I, I just – you know, I think Tim Wolf was saying that to his student body that, hey, maybe if you would have just given me a little bit more time, I could have been able to do something about this that's bigger than what you're going to be able to do by making me step down. The conclusion seems very, very rushed. Yes. And we don't know what kind of precedent it's going to set. I think that's what we're trying to say. Yeah. We don't necessarily disagree with anything that happened specifically, but it just kind of all It just rushed. doesn't sit right, man. It just doesn't sit right. That's it. And if that's... it fixes the racial tension, that is awesome. That is super, but... Yep. I don't think it's going to. I'm sorry. I just... I don't see that happening. Do I think it'll it's help? Sound off time. Maybe it's a little. sound off time. But, yeah, I, I need to put this energy into Baylor. Baylor, guess what? You're going down. Listen to me, Baylor. Your first six games of the season, five of those teams had a defense that were ranked outside the top 100, Patrick. Not the top 50, not the top 75, the top 100. And the other defense was ranked 92nd. And yet you're going to sit here and tell Alabama people that they don't deserve to be in the college football playoff. And Baylor, you could go undefeated. You could prove me wrong. I could eat my words, and I'll be talking all day about how you proved me wrong. But guess what, Baylor? Not a lot of teams do that. And I know a weak team when I see one. You're a weak team. You hired a PR committee last year to try and get yourself into the college football playoff. That was its <laughs> sole purpose. Do you realize how insulting that is to the committee members? That you think that they can't do their jobs well enough? To the point where you're going to hire a committee, or you're going to hire, excuse me, a PR firm to try and get them to coordinate something. Maybe you should let your field play, your play on the field, do the talking instead of a PR committee or your Twitter followers or your players or your coaching staff. Maybe it should be about who you schedule out of conference 
and how you play in conference. Because, Patrick, guess what? Do I think Baylor is going to beat Oklahoma this week? No, I don't. Could they? Yeah. If Oklahoma plays like they did against Texas, Baylor will hang up 80 on them. But you know what? I'm just not really sure that Baylor wins out this season. I'm sorry. I, I know that I'm going off on a tangent, Patrick. But honestly, you've, you've just you've got to sort of be baffled at these fans who just think that it's over for Alabama because they lose to Ole Miss and that Baylor's the team to beat. Baylor, you don't even play a conference championship game. I can't even understand where you get off to the point where you think that you deserve to be in the college football playoff, even though you did not win your conference championship. There's no conference championship for you to win. I'm off my soapbox now, Patrick. On to you. What, what do you think, buddy? What, what's your sound off? What's your sound off this week? Patrick Norwood, ladies and gentlemen. When that guy gets on a rant, you better get out of his way. I love Woo! it. I love it when you do that. It gets me pumped. My sound off this week, people that know me know I'm a I'm a NBA guy. I love basketball. I'm a basketball junkie. But I care more about the NBA than I do about college. Don't get into it huge until late in the season. But, man, I am so – I might be becoming a college basketball just because of Avery Johnson. He's the perfect match for me. Is an Alabama head coach. Yeah. He's awesome. I mean, Love you know it. I'm a Spurs fan. This is a former starting Spurs point guard, a descendant of Popovich co- coaching ranks, has led a team to the finals, one coach of the year in the NBA, now coming and coaching Alabama, a former Spurs point guard, Avery Johnson. Do you know how much I love Avery Johnson and how much Are it hurt me fan? that he coached the Mavericks? And now he's coaching Alabama. <laughs> Bama, we're getting five-star recruits, Terrence Ferguson, Brandon Key, the four-star. It's so good to see us recruiting well and we to see it. excitement in the program and just I can't wait for the season to start. And then on the same coin, I know you love this guy. I'm going to give him a shout-out before we close the show. Mo Williams is starting right now Uncle for the Cavaliers. Because, the yep. man. Because Kyrie's out. Kyrie's out. He's not going to be back till about January or so we hear. He played 36 minutes tonight uh, of a 48-minute game. And he was the best player on the court tonight as the Cleveland Cavaliers beat the Utah Jazz. He was the best player on the court. His plus-minus was the highest of the game. He had a plus-minus of 12. 29 points on 8 of 9 shooting. Getting to the foul line. Making 9 of 10 shots. He made all 4 of his 3-pointers. He had 6 rebounds. 6 assists. And uh, he just—it's good to see somebody of his age repping Alabama for the Cleveland Cavaliers. His plus-minus was higher than LeBron. He only had two less points on ten less shots taken. Dude's balling out this year. He has been so underrated this whole. He career. was balling out last year. He scored 52 in a game last year. You remember that? And I that? hate that he's been so underrated for such a long time. I feel like if he was given a better shot to be a starting point guard in his younger days we would have seen a couple all-star games out of him. That's my sound off. I love Mo Williams. You love Mo Williams. We both love Mo love Williams. Him. And Avery Johnson, I've got a man crush on the guy. So can't wait for the Ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be great. That is episode 11 all wrapped up. Oh. I know we went a little over time. I'm sorry about that, but we had a lot to talk about. Baylor, I apologize a little bit for putting you on blast. Prove me wrong, Baylor. Avery Prove Johnson, me wrong. I love you. Thank you so much for listening. You can find our website at patsinterference.com. Oh, that's another thing. Patrick, we have a new member of the team, Woo! Mr. Tyler Cohen, a good friend of mine from college, a computer whiz, has joined Pat's Interference as the website coordinator. And a Twitter Do you have legend. anything wrong with the website? If you're mad about the website, 
let him know. Tyler Cohen, he's a, he's a good dude. He knows what he's doing. I'm excited to have him on board. Uh, he'll be running our website. Anyone who wants to contribute to the blog, drop us a line. Let us know. You can find us on Facebook at Pat's Interference. That's P-A-T-S Interference. Just type it in there. You'll find it. We are on Twitter at P-I underscore podcast. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, we say it every week because we're so proud of it. We are on iTunes. Yes, iTunes. Go listen to all of our episodes. Well, the ones that are up. Uh, But we are on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. This is a huge hobby of ours. We love doing it. Couldn't do it without you. Hope we're talking about a big win next week against Mississippi State. But for right now, roll tide, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. See you later, fam.